Now, we're going to talk today about, how you like this, presence over presence. Huh? A little play on words there? Yeah. Uh, don't let the presence cause you to miss his presence. Okay? Um, I don't know about you, but things are kind of crazy in my mind, in my life. Uh, it's time of year, it gets plumb crazy, right? When things are really bad around here, they're plumb bad, okay? And uh, with everything going on, it's almost like we dread this, okay? There's so many things you've got to do. You've got so many meetings. You've got so many, like, work and school, all these different parties, all these different things. You've got family coming in. Uh, but So here's the thing is that uh, uh, um, things... Things get very stressful, and we miss the main thing. All right, so I want to read this story, and you might say, what in the world does this story that we're about to read have to do with Christmas? All right, I preached from this story several times, and in this story, you find a lesson that Jesus teaches in a little different context, uh, but it helps remind us of the one thing that we don't want to miss this Christmas. Okay, you ready? I'm going to read it in Luke chapter 10 and uh, all the way over in verse 38. Jesus is visiting some of his close friends here while he was on earth. And it says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. Remember Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus? Huh? Okay, that's who we, that's, he's, he's at their house. And it seems like he goes to their house a lot. And so uh, says, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet. This is what Mary did, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Only one thing is necessary, all right? That's that one thing. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, very familiar story. But it kind of reminds me we're a lot like Martha. There's a lot of things going on, and especially this time of year. And so it's a time of year that we kind of focus on God's greatest gift. We don't know when Jesus was actually born, but it probably, I guarantee you, was not December 25th. And it probably was more toward the spring of the year. We don't know, but it's okay. It's okay to mark that off. It's okay to celebrate it, which aren't you glad that in the New Testament we don't have special days and feast days and holy days that we are ritualistically required to keep? I'm glad Christ fulfilled all of those for the Old Testament and we are free. You want to know why? One day, even the first day of the week, Sunday, is not any more holy than any other day. And Saturday, Sabbath, is not any ho- You want to know why? Because with Jesus, every day is just as holy as the other. Right? Okay. Whew, okay, having said that, it's still okay to celebrate. You know? But is it good news, even though we focus on this this time of year, it's kind of neat. Um, you know, we can celebrate, see, Christmas 365 days a year. That don't mean you're going to get presents every day. But it you know, means we can celebrate the reason for the season every day, not just once a year. But here's what's happened for most of us, all right? Are you ready? Here's what's happened. I'm just, and we've got some fill-in-the-blanks. You know, if you want to follow along, here's one, 
okay? And just to make us think, and you can take them, and you can digest them later. Instead of a time of inspiration, uh, that these holidays that we're in have become a time of perspiration and desperation, okay? Desperation. We become desperate. Um, that's what's surfacing. People under all this stress, financial stress. Now you gotta, you're under financial stress anyway. Now you've got to buy gifts. With money that you don't really have, for people that you don't even really like that well. See? And that's the problem we're in, is you got to use money that you don't have to buy gifts for people that you don't really like who already have everything, you know? But we feel obligated to do this, and, and that's part of the stress that we have. And then managing the stress of get-togethers, of work schedule, of all the, the, the different things, of family, trying to shuffle kids from, you know, several different places. And then maybe you're having your family in your house, and everybody's like, wants to have this great holiday. Everybody looks forward to getting together. And we get together, and we find out why we don't get together but once a year, because everybody's, like, into it, you know? And, but I think everyone has a desire that we want that togetherness. We want to share that, that wonderful time. But then we, we, we act like ourselves you know, and we start problems, you know, and things. But hey, let's just really make an effort to enjoy one another. And, and that means you can't always have everything your way that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing like that. Uh, and, and let's just make the best of it. Uh, but anyway, but we've got all of that. And so um, here's what I want to do is ask God to help us turn the desperation into a declaration. All right, let's get our minds made up right now that here's the declaration that we're going to have is that I'm not going to just survive the holidays, I'm going to thrive and maximize these days that God has given me to his glory. I'm going to thrive, not just survive, not just get through it. I want to maximize these days that God has given me to his glory. And so I want to create an atmosphere of hope and of peace. We've got to work hard at that. It's not going to come natural. Create an atmosphere of hope and peace and good news and give God glory all the way through. So this passage is one we're familiar with, as I said. Jesus told Martha that only one thing, one thing is really needed. And when all of life is boiled down, it's the only thing that's necessary. So I'm praying that God will help us to focus on, to discover that one thing. And, and also to declare this, that, you know, with all the hustle and bustle, that I'm making a declaration that I won't get lost in lesser things that cause me to not focus on the greater things. I will focus on the greater things and make the most of Jesus. Okay? Because all these lesser things chew up our attention and our time and our energy, and we miss the great things. All right, now let's look at the distress that is in this story that we're just going to draw a little truth from. There was a distress at Martha's house, uh, and there was so much to do. We don't know exactly how many were traveling with Jesus, but we know that at least 12. You have 12 guys show up at your house hungry? There's a lot to do, is there not? And so there weren't restaurants and things like that. So uh, Martha is a type A personality. We see that in the, the time she shows up in Scripture. Martha's a type A personality. She's a, like, go-getter, right? You know any Martha's like that? Anyway, just kidding. But, uh, but this Martha is in the Bible. She wants to get things done. And um, so Jesus and all these guys have shown up. And um, she has in mind exactly how it all needs to go down. But guess what? Her sister, Mary, is not with the program. Mary's a more quiet, laid-back, introspective type. 
Um, and it says that Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. So, it, you know, here's the weird thing. Are you following me? It sounds, because you don't look like it at times. I just say that sometimes, because sometimes I have to wonder. You probably are, but I just ask. But anyway, so that, it says, Martha welcomed into her house. Now, I think that's significant because it seems to indicate by that that it is actually her house. She's the homeowner. So Jesus had become close to her. It was with her and her brother Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus is a guy who raised back from the dead. And, uh, and then also Mary, we know, lives there. And as I said, she's more laid back. Back. And, um, and it says here that she, while all this is going on, she sits at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. All right? So stuff's going on. And I want to point out something here that you may have let this slide by, but if you understand the Jews and if you understand their culture and the time that this was written, what Mary was doing was a bit taboo. Did you know that? Did you know that for none of the rabbis ever, ever, ever taught women, they taught men, and if the women are going to learn something, they have to learn from their man. And they sure enough did not let women sit at their feet when they taught. But Jesus has got this close relationship. And aren't you glad that Jesus is like, he's, he's God come in the flesh, but in the flesh he's like a normal cool guy, right? And aren't you glad he doesn't do things the way that they always did that wasn't right? And he does things in a totally different way. He lets Mary sit right at his feet as these guys are gathered around and he's teaching. He didn't have a problem with it. You know, you see a lot about Jesus' interaction uh, with women and the way that he chose to use them, um, which is amazing, you know, when you understand that in their culture, that normally women would not even be allowed to be a witness in a court of law. Uh, but yet, who were the very first eyewitnesses that he chose of his resurrection? Women, yeah. See, see if you're making this story up like some people want to think that they do, you would never make it up that way. You wouldn't. Uh, so anyway, Jesus does things in such an unorthodox way. Just wanted to point that out, that uh, it's like Mary's listening. You know what? She kind of gets it, doesn't she? I mean, later on, she's anointing Jesus with this special oil. And when they anointed with oil, you hear about anoint means to literally apply, okay? And she didn't just like smear a little bit on his head. When you anointed people, you poured it on their head and, and, and things like that. She had this very expensive uh, stuff that she did that. And, and so, you know, some of the disciples started getting on her case about, hey, she's wasting that. Jesus points out she's doing this because of my burial. He'd been talking about his death. And whether Mary understood all she was doing or not, he, I don't know. But it seems like she understood more than the rest of them about what he was saying about going to die for their sins. She, she seems to get it a little deeper than the rest of them. And right here, there's nothing as important to her as sitting and hearing what Jesus has to say. Now, eventually they're all going to get it. But I think she understands who he really is. I mean, who he really is uh, a little bit earlier. And we all progress at different rates, do we not? Right? Okay. So a lot of us can relate to Martha, can we not? And you look at this story now. Let's just make it as it is. It's a real story. Um, sometimes she's used as like the bad example from this story, you know, and preachers preach on it and stuff like that. Um, but uh, she did have a lot going on that day, did she not? All these people show up. Okay, let's imagine Christmas, but yet you forgot it was Christmas. All your family shows up. You got to get something ready for them. I mean, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have internet. They didn't have any way for him to really let them know ahead of time unless somebody was running ahead of them to let them know, hey, we're on our way, okay? You just, like the good old days, you just stop by, okay? So I want to defend Martha for a moment that, first of all, she opened her home to Jesus, um, 
If she hadn't opened her home to Jesus, Mary, her sister, wouldn't have had a chance to sit at his feet. And it seems like to me that this is one of Jesus' favorite places to go. It seems like that this is one of those places where he could kind of go, him and the disciples could really kick back and relax. You know people like that? That if you go to their house, I mean, they're always going to have something good to eat, and you can just relax, and they just are so hospitable that it's just, it's just good. It's a good place to be. And you can just relax. And, you know, I like to have friends like that. You know, you can just relax. You can kick your shoes off. You can put your shoes up on the coffee table. And they probably don't even care. And you can actually go get in the refrigerator and get something. They don't care. You know, you just make yourself at home. How many times people say, make yourself at home. And so um, if you really did, though, anyway, it probably, they probably, you know, I've often tried to think of things to do when that happens. But anyway, um, but so here's the thing is she's going along there. She's trying to get things preparation, all the preparations made, all the things prepared, I should say. And I don't know what happens. I don't know whether she drops something. You know how it is. All of a sudden something breaks and that's it. She snaps and she goes to Jesus and she's like, get on to her, <laughs> you know, right? You tell her. Uh, but she's distracted. She's distracted. I like the way that the NIV renders this passage. It says that she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Um, she was trying to do several things at once. And uh, so, where's Mary? Not helping. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Did you get that? She's sitting down. Well, to Martha, it kind of looked like she was sitting down doing nothing. Doing nothing, right? That's probably. Surely, Jesus will straighten her out. I'm just thinking if I were Martha, okay? She's sitting there, doing nothing. All these people need to eat. Surely, Jesus is just not paying attention, and he will straighten her out. By the way, verse 40 might be a verse that that best described me, distracted by all the stuff that's got to be done. You know, I tend to get a lot of things going at once, and I've got a short attention span. And um, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway... And, you know, it's kind of like I'll be, I'll be uh, working, even especially working on a sermon, and I think of something that might fit in good Wednesday night, and I get to thinking about that, and, and then, and then um, that makes me think of something else that, you know what, I might want to preach on. It's all what I'm trying to study. I might want to preach on next month, and while I'm kind of mixed up in all three of those things, I see a motorcycle magazine sitting on the desk, and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, why am I looking at all these motorcycles? I'm supposed to be studying. You ever have that problem? And, you know, there's a fly on the wall. I've noticed that even while we're, you know, like preaching and talking about these great, amazing truths. And then everybody's distracted by this fly that's crawling up the wall there. It's like, wow, we've never seen that before, right? We're so easily distracted. And so I think that's me. A lot of times I just get totally, you know, uh, flustered. Um, And um, it's a mess. Well, anyway, but if you see there's a tension in this passage. Um, And we sometimes oversimplify these messages. But... You know what? I just want to point something out. It's not just like that Mary was right and Martha was wrong and Martha tries to get Mary in trouble but she ends up a little bit like in trouble. That's, if that's all you get out of this, you've missed it. Um, it's like Martha got put in her place. It's, it's a lot more, believe me, more complicated than that as you look at this story. So the passage doesn't suggest, it's not suggesting that getting stuff done and making preparations are wrong. That's not what he's trying to say, or that all we ever need to do is just sit around at Jesus' feet, just listening and worshiping. That's not what he's trying to say, because the Bible's full of people who work very, very hard for God. And you know what? We should all be examples of good work, hard work, right? 
and getting stuff done. Um, because here's the deal. The stuff she was doing, huh? at some point, it had to happen. Right? You want to eat? This has got to happen. Come on. Somebody, get in here, right? You, you're thinking about your house. Everybody kind of flopping around, but they all expect to eat. Nobody helping. Been there? Ladies, come on. Many of you have to be the ones to bear the brunt of this work that has to be done. And you see so many people just sitting around doing nothing but watching football. Now you're getting into Martha mode. Now you get it. Because at some point, everybody is going to want to eat. So this has got to happen. All right? So we need to keep that in mind. Um, Yet Jesus, through this situation, teaches that, yeah, that's true, but there is something that's even greater than all the stuff that has to be done, we think. There's something even greater. And you can't afford to allow anything to cause you to miss it. So as we see, there's a tension here in this passage of, of, and many times the Bible does it, it presents things with a built-in tension so that that makes us think, makes us look at it, is that you have so much in your life that you can relate to that absolutely seems like it has to be done, yet you really do. I mean, this is where we're at, is it not? You have so much going on, you really do want Jesus to be the center of all of it, but it's just like you've got so much. How do you do this? Huh? I mean, it's not like you don't want it and you want to just let everything else occupy your time and attention, especially even during the holidays. You, you want Jesus to be the center. It's just, how do, you, how do you do this? You've got so much that, you know what? At some point, it's got to be done. Um, sometimes you'll hear a sermon and we'll say something like, why can't we all be more like Mary? Yeah. Why can't we all be more like Mary? Yeah. I don't know. See, we used to have preachers that come preach. And, you know, you do that. I just felt like I should do that. You know, we call it hacking. And here's the funny thing. When I was a kid, we'd have some, we had, had no choice. had to go to church, and you know, which was not always a good experience for me because I didn't sit still and be quiet, and I got in trouble, right? But, um, but then sometimes I get in trouble because right afterwards I'm back there, and I'm trying to imitate the guy that was just preaching. But I was actually, you know, like 10 years old making fun of him, and, and that was the wrong thing to do. But so I learned to do that, and then, then isn't it ironic that who is it that out of this group of, of boys that are always in trouble that God actually calls into ministry the worst one, you know? <laughs> And, uh, hey, yes, God, who says the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor, right? You know? I mean, there's some of these old guys, after I started preaching, that if they only knew that invited me to come to their church and preach, it'd be like, hey, you remember when you were, uh, yeah, making fun of me and uh, just a few years back? But they didn't know about it. They didn't know. Other people knew about it, but they didn't. Am I distracted again? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so we'll ask, why don't you be more like Mary, right? Shut up and sit and listen, okay? How many times have I been told that? I was just, uh, uh, I was, uh, Jared, I was just telling you earlier about how my dad used to try to trick me to be quiet because I would never be quiet. And it wasn't always that I was saying stuff. I was just making noise, right? We, have you got any grandkids that way, anybody? We've got, we've got at least one, maybe two like that, that you know, they just have to be making noise. And I can remember dad telling me one time that I don't need to talk. Uh, he said, you don't need to be telling everything you know. Yeah, just be quiet. Because he said, if you tell everything you know, everybody in the world will be smarter than you because they'll know what they know, plus they'll know what you know because you've done told them. So everybody's going to be... And he, he had me, yeah, trying to believe that, you know? So I didn't buy into it, by the way. Um, uh, anyway, so you're saying, 
You should be more like Mary. You just sit at Jesus' feet and you say, you know what, that sounds good, I would like to do that, but I'm not always able to do that because I have a job, right? And I have things that have to be done. Somebody's got to get these kids ready. Somebody has to take care of this stuff, okay? There's so much, especially at this time of year, to do this thing that's happening here. You see what, what's happening? Uh, Jesus points it out. She was distracted. Distracted. Okay? It's not, hey, uh, can I tell you, honestly? I, I've got an idea. This is me. See if you agree. I kind of have the idea that it was Martha and the way she took care of stuff and the way she prepared meals was probably the main reason Jesus liked to stay there. Really? Yeah, I would say so. But during this, he wants to point out something so that it's recorded so all of us can learn something that we're going to have to deal with distractions in life. And that's what she was dealing with at this time of year especially. Satan may not be able to keep you from believing. He may not be able to keep you from coming to church. But if he can just keep you and me distracted so that we miss the one thing that's so much more important than everything, it will result in our never growing close to him and never overcoming some of the troubles we're having in life. You won't break loose from barriers that you have. It seems like you just can't grow beyond a certain point, and you never will until we learn this. And we won't have the joy of maximizing our existence for the glory of God. We'll believe in heaven but we'll never get to experience little slices of it here on earth before we actually go there as we walk with God in this sometimes difficult place, right? Because we're not focused in on what he's trying to teach here. And so that's the discovery that was made, the discovery. At the moment, she should have just put the preps on hold and maybe she just like, he must be really saying something important. You know what? We're going to hold on a second. We can eat a little bit later. I'm going to go sit down. At the moment, she might should have done that to see what God had for her that day. Instead, she comes over and she starts fussing about her sister. Isn't that a lot like us? And, and um, you know, she can't get any help. I need some help. She did. Other people really frustrate me at times. <laughs> huh? Isn't that what happens? Don't other people frustrate you at times? I mean, hey, I know I've got some failures, some shortcomings, but nobody's perfect, you know? It's yours that really get on my nerves. Isn't it funny how people you know, you know, like one per- somebody that, that really irritates and frustrates me are people who just like feel like they got to talk all the time, and even when you try to interrupt them, they just keep right on talking, you know? Isn't that rude? Isn't it amazing how sometimes things that frustrate us the most about other people are things that we actually do, but we don't want to see it? Huh? Yeah? Okay, I, I, I at least know that. I at least, by the way, Teresa, I like your sunglasses today. I didn't know if we were doing an impression of somebody or, or playing a piano. Uh, but uh, I have already checked that out, though. She forgot her other glasses. So it was like, so you were probably distracted. You had a lot of stuff that had to be done, and you forgot to get your real glasses. Uh, it could have been worse. You could have wore her pajamas to church or something like that, you know, on a cold day. But anyway, back to this discovery of dealing with other people who, who you know, do things that irritate us, okay? Here's what I hear the Lord telling me, all right? And here's kind of what he's trying to tell Martha. is quit trying to tell me what Mary needs to do, and you listen to me. All right, so, so here it is. You ready? If I can get it to pop up there. Here it goes. Quit telling Jesus what he needs to tell others and start listening to what Jesus wants to tell you. 
Lord, help us. There's the sermon right there. <laughs> it's a lot easier to tell Jesus what other, people's need, what other people need rather than listen to what he's trying to tell me I need. It's a lot easier for me to stand up here and preach to you than it is to listen to this myself. I tell you, a lot of times I'm just preaching to me. I just let you listen. This is what I need to hear. This is what I need to hear. Um, so then the focus, the focus of this passage uh, is this, is he's trying to tell her there's one thing that is the needed thing. There's one thing that's more, and that's just to value his presence in your life. And everything that Martha was doing was good and important, but there's one thing that's above everything, and that is to value he's here. He's available. His presence. See why we said that with all the presents we have to buy and get, we miss the presence of the Lord. Hey, you can get so busy even doing church stuff for him that we miss him. I know I struggle with that. It it actually becomes stuff we're doing for him, but it really becomes more about what we are doing. It becomes more about us than it becomes about him. Ah, that's a problem. That is a problem. The teaching was very important. God's teaching, it's not going to sink in, I've learned, and this goes against my nature, it's not going to sink in unless I totally get still before him and get enveloped by his presence. To realize that he is present with you is the best way to become more productive. You know what I'm saying? Now, it's the one thing that's needed. Now, I was quick to point out, God's presence is everywhere, right? He fills the entire universe. So it's not like we're just trying to talk God into showing up. It's more about us dialing in to the presence that's already there. And that's all that Martha needed to do. He's there. Why don't you just take time to dial in? Uh, See, it's the presence. Otherwise, you can know all about the gospel. You can know all about the Christmas story and the Bible, but it not really change your life. You can memorize verses. You can know and love all the old gospel songs. You can hear sermons, go out, but there's no change, no impact in your life. So here's the thing that I'm going to challenge us this today. Are you ready? The faster you listen, the faster we're done. Amen. All right. Is that at some point, you've got to draw some lines in your life. You've got to, you've got, we've got to purposely draw some lines in our life and say no to some good things to make room for the best of all things. We've got, we've got to do that. And it's difficult because there's so many important things. There are so, if it was just a matter of between good and bad, it would be easy. But it's not. It's between good and best. And if I don't watch it, I let a lot of good things fill up my life so I miss the best thing. And then I'm operating in my own strength instead of filled with his presence. And so, I want the Lord to show up. The Lord really showed up today. He's going to show up. He'll show up if we invite him, if we let him. He's always here. We shouldn't be surprised that the Lord shows up. Maybe it's the Lord's surprise that, wow, they're really tuning in. Huh? 
So I can't make God move. We pray for a move of God. What does that mean? We're trying to talk God into doing something. God says, you're not trying to talk me into anything. I'm trying to talk you into something. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. I can't make God move in my life. But here's what I can do. Here's what's under the control that he gives me. I can make room for him to move in my life. It's probably true that God is already always wanting to move in your life. It's just... We're distracted, and we're not making room and opportunity for that, making our availability. How about that word, availability, for that to happen in our lives? You know, Moses not only heard the voice, but he saw God's presence in that burning bush that wasn't consumed. There's lots of lessons there. But you know what? It was that same glorious presence that was evidenced by that cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, right? And then later, it was that Shekinah glory that came down into the temple in the Holy of Holies. Remember that? Are you with me here? Now, guess what? You're talking about this glorious stuff, burning bush, pillar of fire, cloud by day, talking about the Shekinah glory that glowed from the temple. You know what? Do you know what? Well, do you? It's that same glory in the New Testament that because of what Christ did, that when you're saved, dwells inside you. The temple of God is the physical body of his children, the believers. His presence dwells in me. How can the presence of the one that spoke the entire universe into existence, and who's also my redeemer, how can his presence dwell in me and me not be affected by it? So all this stuff I've been trying to do, some of it still needs to be done, but it's going to take on a whole new significance when I do it filled with his presence than just filled with me. Maybe that's one reason why so much of it doesn't get done. And the enemy has such an easy time keeping me distracted from the most important things. And you know, revival is actually this. We talk about we need revival, we need to pray for revival. God says a lot of it's under your control of whether you make yourself available to my presence. Revival is the restoration. Not only the restoration, it's the restoration of God's presence in his people, and it's the motivation of his presence in us to change us. God's always here, I know. But it's his presence being demonstrated through us. It's his presence working in and through our lives. Not just while we're here, but while we're home and while we're other places. So, all right, let's get ready to take it home. You ready? All right. So at some point, as we said, we're going to learn something from this story. And we're going to realize. Now, at some point, Mary and Martha and probably some others had to get up and get stuff ready. But for a moment... Let's just dial into the presence of Jesus. There's one thing that's important, and that's his presence and listening to him. And there's nothing else like it. And I'm not going to take that away from her. And that needed to be pointed out at that time. All right? But um, here's, here's the thing. I'm not, we need to make this decision. I'm not going to allow anything to keep me from experiencing what means everything. You get that? I'm not going to let anything keep me from experiencing what means everything, and that is the presence of Jesus. And it's, you know, the presence of the Lord fills my life. It's pretty much going to expose areas in my life that are going against not only me, but the will of God. Right? Yeah, I'm, 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 maybe I'm afraid because I know I'm going to be convicted about some things. But guess what? When I acknowledge it, 
I've got the presence and the power of Jesus to help me overcome it. It's a lifelong, awesome journey, isn't it? What means everything? Now, if Jesus said this in Martha's day, and she didn't even have Facebook, she didn't even sit here during a sermon, all of a sudden something go beep, and she have to look and know that so-and-so added to their story. And then she's like, well, I wonder what it was, and she can't stand it, she has to look, and it's something stupid. I mean, we've got so many distractions today. You think about it, that's why I want to use every tool that I can get a hold of to preach and teach and do things like that, because Satan is using every tool that he can get a hold of to distract um, I know we could, you know, just gather out in a cave with just memorized scripture and no musical instruments or anything. We can still worship. But if we've got tools available, let's use them. Okay? Um, so uh, I, 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 want, I want to be realizing what the strategy of the enemy is, is that if he can't destroy us with bad things, this is hard to say. If he can't, if you won't allow him to destroy you with bad things, guess what? I'm under conviction right now. He'll try to, if he can't destroy you with bad things, he'll try to distract you with good things. To keep you from the best thing. Boy, I need to hear this. Mm. Anytime you draw aside and choose what's better, like Mary. Yeah, that need, but she chose what was better. What's best. Now, I can't control what you do or anybody else does, what they're going to say or anything. But here's the thing. You have the God-given right to choose what controls you. You do. God gave you that right that you choose whether everything else is going to control you or the Spirit of God, the presence of God is going to control you. I can't help what other people are going to do or say about me, but I can choose whether or not it controls me. I need to draw some lines. You might need to tell your credit card that it's not going to control you this Christmas, right? Um, And maybe, I mean, what, what am I doing spending money that I don't have to show people I love them? Why don't I just maybe show them I love them by my life also, okay? And in the process, we're doing all this. We get so burdened, so worried, so distracted that we don't really have any real love to give anybody. What are you giving to Jesus and his kingdom? We need to make a priority here. We need to prioritize the presence of Christ. That means choosing forgiveness, releasing others, and he'll actually help you. you don't know, he will help you do that. Don't do it on your own. We've got to be filled with his presence. Are we just attempted to assert ourselves and get our way and do things our way and get it done? Listen, don't worry about what they aren't doing and what others aren't doing what they should be doing he's saying you fix your eyes on me so Lord Jesus it's in your name that I want to pray